Well, greetings again, church. My name is Scott. I'm the lead pastor here at Bethany North, and it's a joy to start a new series with you called A Common Compassion on the book of James. Will you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for this moment in time and this virtual service to gather around your scriptures. God, we pray that you would open up our minds and our ears and our hearts in order that we might hear what you want to say to us, your people. We're wide open, God, so speak. In your great name we pray. Amen. So this is a second series of our James series, and our message today is called Do the Word. Do the Word. This is the end of chapter one. Um, I'm going to tell you a story. When I was a kid, I had a writing lesson in school, and the instructions in this writing lesson were very simple. Make a detailed list of instructions for how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'll, I'll never forget this. I mean, I, I don't know. I was maybe third, fourth, maybe fifth grade, and this should be easy, right? Just write it down. How to make a PB&J sandwich. Everyone knows how to do that. Ah, but the teacher clarified, the instructions must be clear. Ah, we got this. We wrote. We got, you know, we're good. We were smug in our firm belief that we had aced the writing exam. And then the teacher started to read the papers out loud and pulled out jars of peanut butter, loaves of bread, jars of jam. And to our horror, she started to follow the directions exactly as we had written. The first kid's paper went something like this. Uh, Grab bread. She grabbed the bread with her teeth. Put peanut butter on the bread. The teacher rubbed her hands in the peanut butter and then slapped them on the bread. Uh, Put jam on the bread. She took a full thing of jar and rubbed it on the bread. It was a disaster. All right, different paper. Second kid, pull bread apart from loaf. She makes a pile of breadcrumbs. Put lots of peanut butter on them. She starts stacking jars of peanut butter. You see the problem. Take a bite, the paper said. And the teacher started to like gnaw at the full peanut butter jars. It was a disaster and we were horrified. We're saying, you're not following the instructions. Ah, said the teacher. Your instructions weren't detailed enough to follow. See, you're assuming, she says, that the reader knows too much. So in the case of making directions, be specific. And make your instructions clear enough that someone can do the words and make a great PB&J sandwich. This is what she was going for. And the point, make the instructions clear if you want the finished product to be successful. The lesson stayed with me. Instructions matter. And often we assume too much that people just will know what it means in order for us as Christians to be Jesus' followers. Well, in the months ahead, we'll be teaching the book of James in order to understand more of what followers of Jesus, what we call disciples, what we're meant to do. It's important to know Jesus, but as James will make the point, if you really know Jesus, your life is meant to become what you believe. To follow Jesus, it's more than just hearing You must do the word of God, James says. See, we live in this age of cynicism and disbelief, and for some, Christianity is hard to recognize as connected to Christ because people are incredulous of either the activity or inactivity of those who say they're his followers. And James offers a way back, a practical theology that seeing is believing, and believing must become action. And as a church, We've paired the teaching of James with this practical application called a common compassion, where we aim to be learning together, practicing together, and giving together so that there would be a practical and tangible manifestation of our learnings in a shared generosity towards a great ministry here in Seattle to help hundreds of people experiencing homelessness in what is a state of emergency in our city. Because followers of Jesus have clear instructions to practice our faith. We're called to do the word. 
And so as we go deeper into this series, I hope to look at the background of James today to understand the first action flows from transformation, and then to unpack his seminal statement from James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and be deceived, we must do the word. And towards that end, I'll be just teaching what these two words to James mean, doing and word, as key parts starts understanding the theology of James. James says, do the word. Let's see what he meant. Let's start part one. For James, action is formed by transformation. So to learn more about the book, let's consider the biography of the author James. James was the younger brother of Jesus. Likely he did not believe in Jesus until sometimes around the crucifixion because John 7, 5 says, even his own brothers did not believe in him. But something massive happens for James. What a transformation he would make to initial skeptic, to a leader of the Jerusalem church, the leader, righteous James. He was later stoned by scribes and Pharisees for not denying Christ in the year 62 AD. So this book of James has this interesting, it's an interesting place in the canon of scripture, the collection of scripture, because this was probably the earliest book written in the New Testament, but Christians have historically struggled to understand how James' emphasis of doing, mixing with the primacy of grace central to Paul's teachings, we've, we've not understood it. We're more on that next week. But it is important to know that Christians have wrestled with James. Martin Luther would call this an epistle of straw. My own Bible teacher, Whitworth, Dale Bruner, said he would write a book on every book of the Bible except James. Many others love James because it's very practical. James is like a New Testament Proverbs where he's speaking to Jewish Christians scattered because of conflict. And he says, this is what being a follower of Jesus looks like. And in this way, James is meant for people that want to grow in their faith. Growing like a plant, James would say. This is from verses 19, 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, very practical, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's prevalent and humbly accept, get ready, the word planted in you, which can save you. Christ planted his life inside of us in order that we would blossom and that we would grow. Verse 17 of 18 of James 1, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a first fruits of all creation. You see this metaphor James is carrying. And this is a key theme we'll hit over and over in the book of James. We're called to blossom into beauty that God sees us already as. We can't earn our faith We can only receive the free gift of Jesus that's been planted in us. We are saved by grace alone. And God gives himself to us fully. And the faith of Christ is to call oneself a Christian is to understand that God's chosen you for relationship. He absolutely has. This is the meta-narrative of scripture. That God chose us in order to establish within us a deep transformative relationship where we would love him and love others. I just, you know, if you look at the whole of scripture, like it's God's work in us, for us, over us, and through us. Consider Ezekiel 36. I'll give you a new heart, a new spirit. I'll put within you. I'll remove that heart of stone from your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. It's a, it's a gift. Or consider this from Jeremiah. This is the covenant I will make with the people 
people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. I'll write it on their hearts. It's planted in us. God continues in Jeremiah, I'll be their God. They will be my people. There's not one iota that we can earn it. God's like, I will do this in them and on them. Or consider this. This is from Hebrews. This is the covenant, the promise I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I put my laws in their minds. I'll write them on the hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord. They'll already know me, says God, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Isn't that beautiful? God's saying, I'll remember their sins no more. I'm going to do this for them. Or Romans 8.10, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. God has planted that in us. It's a gift. God loved us. He chose us in our broken state in order to to make us beautiful in his eyes. It's a beautiful love story that's being written in your life, in my life, in our lives as a church, in order that we would be transforming, that we might become the first fruits of this new faith. And anyone gardening right now, you know, like me, it's, there's an excitement. The seed, the soil, the sun, the water, there's so many conditions, so many variables, but there's a power in the seeds that's entirely out of my control. The seed, if good, will grow. The job of the gardener is just helping it grow with the right conditions. But make no mistake about it, that I take no delight in a garden that never produces produce or a flower that never blossoms, a tree with no fruit, chickens that have no eggs at my house sometimes. The purpose is that we would blossom and the new life that Christ has put in us. We must grow. Christ is hoping we would. A few summers ago, when we were first really focused on growing food as a family, we took a trip and we were gone for like three weeks of the growing cell, right at the beginning of summer. But we maintained our watering while we were gone and we got home. We had driven from South Dakota. We were exhausted, but we were like, whoa, first fruits. I mean, we pulled in in the RV and it was dark and the kids started running through the gardens, picking and eating, even though it was almost night. It's amazing. We left, nothing was growing and now there's fruit. That's the intent, James is saying, the fruitful life, the power of Christ in you for those experiencing transformation. The part two here is key for James. The doing is central to believing. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Whoa, 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 James. Whoa, bit harsh, right? (laughs) Where's the grace? Remember what Jesus said. When Jesus told this story in Matthew, Jesus says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew against it and beat against that house and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them in practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. See, Jesus said, faith must be practiced. And James would agree, do these words, the words of scripture in Christ is the living word. Do the stuff he said to do. 
Doing without feeling is a dangerous proposition, and feelings that do not become doing will not eventuate into transformation. Both will be key. And we'll unpack this more next week, and I really hope you can tune in because I want to be clear. We are saved by grace alone, faith in Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that next week. But James is key as well. Beliefs that, not do, that don't become actions can become dangerous. A true church is not just a justice church without understanding justice is defined by the scriptures. But we can't just stick to the scriptures and ignore where justice is being distorted or ignored in our society. It's a paradox to say, can you just preach the Bible and stop talking about injustices? So those things are connected. Like in Deuteronomy, it taught that God's people should care for widows and outsiders, feed them. Amos said, let justice roll on like a river. Jesus, real love must care for outsiders like the Good Samaritan. And so Bethany, will we be a Bible church or a justice church? We say yes, we say both. Both will be necessary. For a hundred years, this church has, has held this line that is teaching the scriptures and living our faith out with an ethos of justice for marginalized people. And we name this tension that at a level, a healthy church will push you to want, at times, you to bail out and be at a church where everyone thinks the same on all the same issues. And that's exactly what people do. They, they bail out. I'm out. I'm leaving town. Or I'm moving churches. I need to be with people that believe all the same things about all the same stuff. But the desire for us as God's people is not to be comfortable. That won't automatically draw us closer to Christ. No. Consider the inherent lesson within the New Testament book of Philemon, who Onesimus, a slave, was freed and sent back to his slave owner. So Paul writes this letter to Philemon, the rightful owner of the freed slave Onesimus, and says, set him free. In Philemon 1.16, Paul writes this, No longer consider Onesimus a slave, but better than a slave, as a brother. He's dear to me, but even dear to you as a fellow man, as a brother in the Lord. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ has clear instructions. You must act out your new beliefs in ways that will be costly, financially, emotionally, spiritually, and stay in fellowship with people that maybe don't even think just like you. Because our fellowship is not to be anything other than just a bunch of broken people surrounding the unbroken truth of Jesus Christ. Just hearing the word of God, doing the word of God. And comfort will not equate with the heart-level transformation needed to be hearers and doers of the word. And that's a problem. Because who determines what do the word means? Doing is central to the life of faithful disciples, and we'll need the illumination of the Spirit and the commitment to unity to keep moving ahead step by step by step, doing the stuff that Jesus wants us to be doing. Because let's be honest, God's people have trouble agreeing on what doing we should focus on. But that's why we do the red letter words of Jesus. One of the things Jesus is very clear about is taking communion. It's why church is so sacred. We are doing this even as house churches. Break bread, take communion. Many years ago, I was with my family. We were in Hawaii over the holidays, and we decided, because it was Christmas Eve, to go to a Catholic mass. There was a communion portion of the service, and we were like, we don't know what to do. We're not Catholic, but we love God. Let's go on up. And so we wandered forward, my dad, unfortunately, going first. And as he approached the priest, my dad didn't know, should he make an X or hands down? And he just was very uncomfortable. And as he stepped to the priest, the priest grabbed the communion element and shoved it in his hand. He said, just take it. Just do it. 
Like the things we do must be paired with a grateful and graceful heart in order to know what it means to do the word. So do what, Paul, uh, what James says is the word. This is part three. Look to the word of God. Because the word of God provides freedom to look at who you really are. Look at verse 23 of James 1. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it is not forgetting what they've heard but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do, says James. So James is writing to the church, likely his church of dispersed people. He's saying, this is who you are. Keep growing into who God designed you to be. And to really grow, you'll need to see yourself authentically, James says, like a mirror. It's like looking in a mirror, but forgetting what you see. Now, mirrors in James' day were polished pieces of metal. And they were all the rage, technologically speaking. You could actually, for the first time in history, see yourself. Common people could see themselves. It's really important. Uh, Estee Lauder, a famous cosmetics maker, said once that a proper mirror was the most important thing that any person would need that wants to buy makeup in order for them to sell us stuff. In a deeper way, the word of God is a mirror meant for us to see ourselves, saved by grace, and seeing places that God wants to continue to reveal himself to you, ways that we need to be changed. To James and for a scattered church trying to do the word, he reminds them, look to the word, look to the scriptures, and look to Christ, the living word, to have this freedom to live as disciples. Don't forget, hearing's important, says James, but hearing and doing must be matched up. That's what Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty eight. Blessed is he who hears the word of God and acts. Jesus' teaching was full of mercy and compassionate healing, but also obedience, Follow me, he said. He desired that people would change by following him. So our knowledge of God should change what we think and who we care for. Real faith will be manifest in real love. It's not just listening to church services or going to house church or Bible study or podcasts. Those are all hearing activities. Real doing, says James, will, will look like practical, tangible acts of love. Do the word. We'll be talking about that over the next six weeks. Do the word. The point is that when we look to the word of God and to Christ who is a living word, our lives are meant to look different. I'm not sure how many wedding ceremonies I've done over the last 10 or 12 years. Maybe 40, maybe, maybe a little less, maybe a little bit more. I've never met someone yet who says, I intend to fall out of love someday. No, it never happens. I mean, the intention is always perfect love, but... So many relationships fall apart. Why is that? The breakdown isn't in the intention or in the feelings. The breakdown is in the actions. People start, stop serving each other, stop laying their lives down for each other. See, real love, says James, must be lived out. It must be doing the practices. In the same way, church, do not let your love grow cold between Jesus and yourself. Do the word. That's what James will say. That's how, that's how we should live. That's what it means. And we'll, we'll go into this in the weeks ahead. Very practical from our practical theologian. To care for marginalized people. To give generously. 
to watch your anger, to choose your words carefully. One specific thing we're doing as a church in this series, we want to make an impact in a very real and practical need here in Seattle right now, and that's homelessness. Clearly, homelessness has been impacting our region, our city, our neighborhoods more and more and more in recent years, and has been accelerated by the pandemic in recent months. And nobody can quite figure out what to do and how to help people. What does it mean for us as a church to do the word right now? For James, 2,000 years ago, it was about orphans and widows. James 1, 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, look after the orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted from the world. See, in James' day and age, to be an orphan or a widow meant you had no family structures for support and you were alone. I read one translation that I really liked, um, and they translated it like this. One of the purest and most undefiled demonstrations of the gospel is to move towards hard places and broken people and not away from them. And so I want to ask you, church, who are you moving towards? What hard places, what broken people? Where are you moving towards? That's the movement as hearers, as doers, stepping into hard places, stepping with broken people, saying, God's not done with you yet. And for some of us, this is going to push us deeper into working, say, with our ministry of racial justice, saying, hey, how do we our church doing justice for marginalized people? Maybe for some of you, you'll, you'll move into hard places and, and, and broken people by choosing to serve someone in your own neighborhood with a practical act of love during this season. Maybe weeding their garden, maybe dropping a meal. For others, we'd love to ask you to live into this challenge, to move into hard places, moving towards broken people, experiencing homelessness. And we're in this 50-day series called A Common Compassion, and the campaign has these three parts that we would learn what the Bible says about doing the word and practicing mercy. And that we would practice practical ways to be a blessing to people that are experiencing homelessness in the city. And that you might give. That you might consider a gift over and above your regular gift to help us raise 500000 over 50 days for one of the best local partners to those experiencing homelessness in the city, the Aurora Commons, in order to serve people. And so as we close... I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And I just want to say this piece again. The word of God provides a freedom to look at who you really are. You've been set free, says James, free to follow. You can't do anything to earn the resurrection life. But James says, now go and live that life that Jesus has wanted you to live. Isaiah 1.17 says it like this. Learn to do good, seeking justice and correcting oppression and practicing the widow's causes. So the word Christian is not a static position. It's a, it's a verb. One who loves God. One who loves others. One that the world would see is in motion, transformed by the power of Christ. Experiencing the first fruits. Doing the word as we love others in our city. This is what the journey of James will teach us. That we would continue to grow as his people. Doing the word. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you for this moment and thank you for these scriptures. Help us just sit with the teaching of James to remind us that our faith is meant to be lived out in very practical ways, that the world might see your faith alive in us, God. And so we just pray over this series that we learn more about mercy, 
that you remind us that our practices and habits can be formed in every neighborhood of the city as we just seek to be people that are loving others well for the cause of Christ. And then, God, we would ask for for our friends at Aurora Commons. We know that they will soon be experiencing a shift in their building, and we just pray that we could give generously to them to provide a home base for them as they provide care for so many hundreds of unhas people in our city. God, we want to be not just hearers. We want to be doing your acts, your will, doing your word. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship.